You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Chen. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. Turn with me to Matthew 6 tonight. Matthew 6. I've had this message on my heart now for almost a month and a half. And I felt finally some liberty to preach it. And I hope that it will be a help to us during this time. This crazy time, this confusing time, this time when a lot of people are searching for answers, and uh, I just want to remind us about where to find those answers tonight. Matthew chapter 6, would you read aloud with me this familiar passage? We'll read verse 9 through verse 13. Verse 13 is our text verse, uh, but to give context, we will start reading all together out loud in verse 9. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I have a question tonight. Why do we pray? Why do we pray? Lord, as we look into this question, and we seek to gain the answer from your word, help us to have open hearts. Lord, we need to have our minds open as well, but on a Wednesday night especially, I know that many come here with our minds being pulled in multiple directions. We have concerns about deadlines and bills and finances and family and health. Those that we have heard even just this past week who are dealing with things that they never thought that they would deal with before. Uh, As we hear of people in the area who are being exposed to this sickness that is going around, and Lord, our hearts are burdened. We ask that for this time you would help us focus in on your word so that we do not have to bear this burden alone. Father, watch over the Bible blazers right now as they have fun and as they study your word. Lord, we care so much about the next generation. So many times I fear of what they're going to have to face. But Lord, it could be just a little bit better if we as the older generation stand where we need to stand. And trust where we need to trust. Fight where we need to fight. Lord, help us to be who we need to be. For their sake, for our sake, for the sake of this country. But Lord, most of all, for the sake of your word and your gospel. We ask this in your name. Amen. There were a few classes in high school and college that I really enjoyed taking. I really enjoyed history. Uh, I had a good history teacher. And what I liked about history is nothing ever changed about history. It was an easy class to test in for me uh, because it was just memorizing dates and facts and names and and things like that. So history, I really liked. And then I I loved taking notes in history. In college, I loved the class uh, Youth Work. 
with Brother Terry Angel and took a youth work class with him. Uh, church ed, church education, that was a great class. You had a lot of different uh, preachers that would come in and tell you, hey, this is something that I ran into this last week that really isn't in curriculum. And you got to learn a lot of things. Preaching lab was fun. Preaching lab uh, was where I came out of my shell as far as preaching is concerned. As extroverted as I was growing up, getting behind a pulpit in any way, singing, preaching, I would shut down like a clam. I would get nervous. I would practice my messages at home in the mirror, and they would go about 15 minutes, and everything would be good. My thoughts would be great, and I would get up behind the pulpit, and I would be done in about three minutes. And my knees would shake, and I, oh, I didn't, I didn't like it. I said, Lord, why did you call me to the, like, one of the things that I'm just horrible at? Uh, preaching lab, you had to come out of your shell. So the college was an old motel. And the atrium was all covered in, but it used to be a center courtyard that was just open air. But somebody, some millionaire, bought the hotel for his daughter and uh, over, like, uh, put a roof over the middle. Uh, so there was like a pool in the center, and then there were balconies all the way around uh, at the college, at Providence Baptist College. And in preaching lab, all of the guys in preaching lab would be in that atrium in a group of maybe four or five, and you had to preach. And you had to preach, and one of the guys in the group was usually a senior, and he was, we called him the den mother, and he would basically grade you over your outline and your, your mannerisms, everything. So if you can imagine in an atrium, 100 guys and... 20 of them are preaching at the same time. If you don't come out of your shell and scream, you're not going to be heard and you're not going to pass the class. That was a fun one. Uh, I liked biology growing up and doing all the different science experiments. But there were other classes that I hated, like geometry and um, physics. I, I couldn't stand physics. Uh, it was awful. just did not compute. And then uh, I was taking calculus and physics the same year. And that's probably why my brain could only handle so much. Uh, I think the worst class was in college, personal finance. Personal finance at, I think, 8 in the morning. Yeah, no, it was horrible. I got a C minus in that class. But C's get degrees. Praise the Lord for that. Then there were some that I had kind of a love-hate relationship with. One of those classes was grammar and composition. So there were aspects that I didn't like about it, like the exceptions to the rule. There's so many exceptions to the rule in the English language. Uh, like I before E except after C, except for all the times that that's not the case. Right? Like the word weird. <laughs> yeah. Uh, parsing, papers, diagramming. Hated all of that. But... There's some parts that I loved about it. I, I really did love expanding my vocabulary. I liked, I, but I, I really think, for sake of time, the, the thing that I loved the most about the class was learning about the power of words. Learning about how much weight words could carry. You could paint a picture with words. Now, as I grew up, I hated to read. Hated it. How many of you, you were not readers growing up in any way? So all the, all the non-readers are over here. All the, that's very interesting. I only read books, ask my parents, I only read books with actual pictures. None of this you can paint a picture with words stuff, 
I only read books with actual pictures. So I read Garfield, Charlie Brown, the Peanuts comics, and Calvin and Hobbes. I read those three things, that, and that's really it. Uh, there was one book that I actually read, or I would say two. One was the biography of Davy Crockett, uh, but it had pictures like every other one. And then War of the Worlds, I read that one all the time. But it had pictures because it was like a kid's version of it. Uh, but once I did realize that authors can use words to bring pictures to your mind, I actually fell in love with reading. Uh, and uh, you can kind of see that with my, with my office. But uh, I, I, once I realized that, I started to love to read. But then I also realized some of the most powerful words in the English language are the smallest. You ever notice that? Some two-letter, three-letter words can carry the most weight. Like the word that every child learns first. No. I said, hey, I said it in Sunday school. In, behind every well-behaved child is a mom and dad that is constantly saying no. Isn't that the truth? It's a powerful word. No. That conjunction, but, that's a powerful word. Yet, that is a powerful word. You can speak volumes with one tiny word. You can unlock treasures of truth in one tiny word. On the other hand, if, then, if you miss that one word, you'll miss the treasure. You have to look at everything, especially in a Bible that we believe was inspired and preserved and put together by an almighty, all-wise, all-knowing God who didn't waste words. Every word is important. I was reminded of that the other day when I came across this passage in Matthew 6. So many preachers use this passage to teach how to pray. I think that's very fitting. Now imagine if we were at a conference, and at this conference there were these classes. And there were all these different classes where you could go and you could learn about a subject from an expert in that field. So you walk and you see the, the panel of classes. And there's one class that's How to Golf by Tiger Woods. Or it's, it's Rory McIlroy today, but Tiger Woods for us. I would, uh, not, anyways, Tiger Woods, right? Swimming. Who would we want to learn swimming from? Well, Michael Phelps, right? Uh, how to be wrong all the time and keep your job by a panel of meteorologists. I would go to that one. Uh, investing by maybe Warren Buffett or something. And then at the very bottom you see prayer by Jesus Christ. Okay, I know what class I'm going to. And I'm going to buy a new notebook and I'm going to buy a good pen that I know won't go out on me. Right? <laughs> going to buy a good pen or a pencil. And I am going to be zoned in. I'm not going to miss anything. Well, guess what? Because of our Bible, we have that. We have that. We have that opportunity to see what the Lord has to say about prayer. Jesus shows us in this short prayer right here in verse 9 through 13. He 
He shows us how we should adore and worship God, pray for his will to be done, make our requests known to him, confess our sins, ask for forgiveness, ask for guidance and deliverance. And those are certainly lessons that we need to remember. But there's one tiny word in verse 13. One tiny word that jumped out to me, and it helps unlock the answer to the question, why do we pray? Does anyone think they know what it is in verse 13? Ethan. No, no, that's not it. Not but, a little bit further. Four. Four. I always missed that word reading through this. The word for in this case means because. So Jesus is saying we adore and worship, we seek for God's will to be done, we make our requests known to him, we confess, we ask for forgiveness, we ask for guidance, we ask for deliverance for or because thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So Jesus is not only teaching us how to pray, he's teaching us why we pray. We pray for these reasons. Now, I believe this is a praying church. I believe we know how to pray, but I want us to remember tonight why. Why do we pray? You know, you may know just how to do something. But when you lose sight of why you do that something, you don't do it with the right heart. You don't do it with the right motive. It loses its importance in your mind. There's many, here's just an illustration, there's many people in America that know how to vote. But they don't because they forgot why we vote. I think there's many people that know how to pray. But many forget why we pray. And when we forget why we pray, our prayer can dwindle into mere form, vain repetitions, or worse, it just kind of dissipates into nothing. So I want to talk tonight for just a brief amount of time on why we pray. So first of all, what Jesus says is we pray for thine is the kingdom. We pray because thine, God's, is the kingdom. So Jesus is bringing out, and if I'm not making sense just yet, I, I think I will in, in a little bit. I hope we're following. Jesus is bringing out the undeniable universal truth that everything we see, uh, everything in existence today belongs to the king, belongs to God as king. There's no mountain too high. There's no valley too deep. There's no, there's no galaxy too distant that does not fall within the realm of God's kingdom. God reigns over all. The Bible says in Revelation 17, 14, he is Lord of lords and king of kings. So the first reason we pray, here's why. We, we pray because at any moment, in any place, at any time, we have unrestricted access to the king. Let us therefore come boldly Unto the throne of grace. What do we find there? Well, we obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I've never gone one day in my life where I didn't need grace and mercy. And I love this. I don't have to set an appointment. 
I don't have to pray to a dead saint. I don't have to send my prayer through a chain of command and hope that it reaches the king. I can go straight there. I can go straight to him. Because of what Jesus did for us, we can go straight to the king. And not only that, okay, have you ever had access to somebody, but they didn't want you there? So it's more than that. Not only do we have access to him, he invites us. The king invites us to come to him at any moment and make our requests known to him. All right, I, I, I'm, I'm going to stop here before I go any further. Here's what I'm trying to bring out. You watch the news, and you go outside, and you see the conversations that people are having. The, the spirit of frustration that's going on in the world right now. Everybody's got a chip on their shoulder. Everybody just thinks, well, are you on my side or their side or... or do all lives matter or do only some lives matter? And is this considered a rally to you or a riot to you? Is this considered important to you or not important to you? Who are you voting for? Who are you not voting for? And everything is pick a side. And it's frustrating. I mean, a person can't even defend his property anymore in America? Can't defend our property anymore? How are we going to get through this without prayer? And I will be the first to admit, I'll be the first to admit, I haven't been praying the way that I should. I'm getting distracted by all the noise. And I've gotten away from the throne. And as a church, we need, to come, we need to get back. We need to get back to prayer. And I don't think we get away from praying because we forget how. I think we get away from praying because we forget why we pray. And the first reason we pray is because he is the king. You know, a lot of worries melt away when you speak with the king. All will be well. I met with the king today. And he's still king. Why would I turn to anybody else? Why would I turn to anything else when I can go to the king? Do you remember in 2 Samuel, people from all around Israel come with their problems to see King David. But at the gate, there's a young man sitting there named Absalom. And every single person that wants to come to see the king Absalom calls over, wait, 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 what, what burden are you carrying? What, what are you dealing with? And Absalom starts to convince other people, the king doesn't care, the king doesn't have time. The, oh, oh, I wish that somebody were deputed of the king to see this and to help with this situation. There are many things in life that stand before the gate like Absalom. And they keep us from going to the king. Instead of going to the king, we go to the ears of a friend. And we talk like the, the men on the road to Emmaus. And they're both in the same pit of despair. This is horrible. Yeah, you're right. 
What are we going to do? I don't know. Not getting anywhere. Or we go to anger and frustration. Or we go to fear and worry. Or we go to social media. We go to blogs and podcasts. It's so easy, isn't it? It's so easy to get distracted. The Bible says that Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. It's so easy, isn't it, to let things steal our heart away. To let fear or some Facebook post or a conversation with with somebody else distract us and steal our hearts rather than taking the desire of our heart to the Lord, to the King. I found myself recently spending so much time in the courts of distraction rather than in the court of the King. I think if we spent as much time praying as we did watching the news or playing games or binging videos, I know there would be a difference in this world. True prayer walks past the Absaloms and goes to the king. I don't like the Absaloms in my life. You have them too. They are all the things, the emotions, the feelings, the hobbies, whatever they are, they are all the things in your life that stop you from going to the king. Now, no matter what those things may be, here are two truths about them. First of all, they are great at stealing our hearts away, aren't they? They are great at distracting us from prayer. But number two, another truth about them, they have absolutely no power to fix anything. I can have a great conversation with a neighbor about everything that's going on, but it doesn't fix anything. I can get angry. I can get frustrated. I can let my tongue fly on Facebook. It doesn't fix anything. There's only one who has the power to carry our burdens. One who has the power to give peace in a storm, bring comfort in questions. Only one who has the power to understand what's on our hearts, and that's the king. For thine is the kingdom and the power. Now, most everybody in here, if you've come of age, has had an issue with a product or a service before. So what do you do? You call or you go into the store because you want to resolve the issue. Now, I have learned, I start with let me talk to your manager. I don't wait until that point. I start because the worst thing that happens is you get in this 30-minute conversation with someone who has no idea what they're talking about, and you say, I want to talk to your manager, and then they look back and say, I am the manager. So I start with, let me talk to your manager. And maybe you explain the situation. What do they always do? Oh, I understand how frustrating that is. And thank you. So I would feel the same way. I would feel the same way. I really would. Thank you so much for, for coming in. This must be so inconvenient. I really appreciate you bringing this to our attention. So... What, what are you going to do about it? Oh, I, can, I can't do anything about it. <laughs> so you know what you have there? You have somebody who has a title with no authority. Not so with God. When the Bible calls him the king of kings and lord of lords, along with that comes all the power and authority to ease every burden, Forgive any sin, 
to foresee any future, save any sinner, answer any question, comfort any heart, fight any battle, strengthen any soul, lift any spirit that may ever come before him. We can ask nothing of him that he does not have the power to give. What did Jesus say? All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. So this is a really deep thought here. But if he has it all, that means nobody else has any of it. Right? If anybody else had any of it, he wouldn't have all of it. But if he has all of it, let's go to him. Let's talk to him. Let's take our burden to him. So do we remember why we pray? We pray because through prayer, we can talk to the king. We can lay our burdens down at his throne. We have a standing appointment. We have direct access. We have a, we have a fast pass to the throne of grace, to the only one who has the power to hear and answer the desires of our heart. But there's one last reason that we can't forget. Have you ever met somebody who came into a little bit of power, who came into a little bit of authority, and they, they hung it over everybody's head? Like, I am the shift manager at this Arby's, and everybody will know it. We've all met somebody like that. I mean, they, they have worked at that McDonald's for 22 years. And they have their area, and they are going to lord over that area. Has God ever done that to you? Think about it. There's nobody else who has the power to hear and answer prayer, right? Nobody else other than him. And what do we say when we speak to somebody who is our only hope to resolve our, is to resolve our issue or our problem? We say something along the lines of, I'm at your mercy. Because if you do not seek to help me, if you do not choose to help me, I'm done. We call that being at somebody's mercy. So if God has all the power, the only power to hear and answer prayer, that means if we are going to get our prayers answered, we are at his mercy. Doesn't the Bible say in Micah chapter 7, the Lord delights in mercy? In Lamentations chapter 3, that his mercies are new every morning. In every one of the 26 verses in Psalm 136, the Bible says his mercy endureth forever. And think about it. Even though we have no merits of our own to gain an audience with the king, we have no merits to ask for his help, he's always been there for us. Think of all the heartaches, the sleepless nights, the restless thoughts, the over overwhelming burdens that we have found victory over through prayer. Turn, turn with me to uh, Luke chapter 17. And uh, begin in verse 15. This is after Jesus healed the ten lepers. Luke 17, 15. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice, what's that word? Glorified God, fell down on his face at his feet, 
giving him, what's that word? Thanks. He was a Samaritan, and Jesus answering said, were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? There are not found that returned to give, what's that word? Glory to God, save this stranger. So in verse 16, the Bible says that the leper, the cleansed leper, is giving him thanks. Jesus puts it in verse, uh, in verse 18, you are giving me glory. Giving thanks, giving glory, synonymous to the Lord. So we pray because he's the king. As king, he takes responsibility. And he says, come to me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And he is the only one. We, we pray because as the king, he's the only one who has the power to hear, answer our prayers. And he's never once failed to do his part. But one last reason we pray is because it gives us just a little opportunity to say thank you for all that he's done for us. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Now let's just be honest here. This year hasn't gone how anybody thought it would. But we still have so much to be thankful for. And you know, there are times when our prayers are very wordy, aren't they? And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm not saying that's a bad thing at all. Here's what I'm saying. There, there are times when our prayers are filled with questions and requests and burdens. I mean, we, we don't have enough time to pray. There's so much on our heart, we feel like we could just unload and unload and unload and unload. You've ever been there before? But when life gets hard, for me personally, sometimes I feel like I don't know what to ask. I don't know what to say. I don't even... Sometimes my heart feels so heavy, I don't have the strength to open the door. I can't even focus to, to put words together to pray to the Lord. But even during those times, I found I can always thank him. I can trust he knows what's on my heart before I even thought about praying. And I can always thank him. And I'll be even more honest with you tonight. This last year, even in this past month, I've faced things that I never thought I would face as a person, as a pastor, as a father, as a husband. And there's a lot that I just don't understand, a lot of questions that I have. How am I supposed to lead my family through this? How am I supposed to lead you through all of this? How am I supposed to keep feeding you spiritually? What decision is right? What decision takes priority? I need wisdom. I need strength. I need direction. I need help. And I'm not going to find that help anywhere other than the throne of grace. And the same goes for all of us as Christians, families, church members, Americans. These battles that we are facing right now, I want everybody to hear this. These battles that we are facing right now are not going to be won on Facebook. They're not going to be won on Capitol Hill. They're not going to be won on Election Day. They're going to be won on our knees. 
So the question was, why do we pray? But after reading this, here's a question. Why don't we pray? Why would we turn anywhere else when we can turn to the king? Who else has the power to hear and to answer and to lead and to guide? And every time we go to him, he never fails us. That's why we pray. Or as the Lord says it, we pray for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Not just today, not just tomorrow, forever. Not just when things are going well, but forever. Not just when we think the person who should be in the office is in the office, but forever. Not just when everybody is healthy, but forever. Not just when we have all the answers, but forever. Amen. And in 2 Chronicles 7.14, which a lot of people are saying right now, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. You know what that verse tells me? It is very possible to pray without humbling ourselves. And I remember the Pharisee. Lord, I thank thee that I'm not like this publican. I tithe of all that I have. I do all this. I do that. I do that. I, 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 I. It is very possible to pray while not treating him like he's the king and treating him like we have power or going to everybody else for power rather than understanding he alone has the power. And we just pray, pray, pray without ever once taking time to thank him for all that he's done. But when a heart truly becomes humble, you will pray. Because you realize, I can do nothing. So I better go to the king. And maybe that's what all this is about, bringing us all down to rock bottom, where we understand we can't do anything without the king. He alone has the power. He's never held that over our head. Lord, thank you for all that you've done for us and for all that you will do. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.